Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this event co-hosted by Emeritus and Voice of Fintech podcast. We're going to talk about AI in fintech. We're going to have um, Pahal from NVIDIA, who is the global head of developer relations um, for consumer fintech and NVIDIA. So I'm looking forward to an exciting session. But first, we would like to hear also a little bit about Emeritus, right? Uh, thank you, Rudy. Yes, absolutely. We have a lot in store here as we make our way through this next hour together. A lot to cover as we learn more about exciting and explainable artificial intelligence for modern fintech. And we are joined by two industry leaders here uh, to talk more about this exciting topic. Uh, but as we get started um, here today, uh, we want to showcase for you a couple of the things that we'll be uh, learning about over the course of this next hour together. Um, firstly, I will tell you a little bit about this community that you're joining here in this online event um, at Emeritus. Uh, from there, we'll hand over the spotlight uh, very quickly uh, to Rudy and his co-host here today uh, to learn more about this topic in modern fintech. Um, from there, we'll take all of your questions. So you'll notice there are opportunities uh, for you to interact with us live throughout today's session uh, using both the chat box as well as the question box. Uh, those are both going to be available for you. Um, so if you have any questions, that you'd like to pose live uh, to our uh, keynote speakers. Uh, we invite you to do that throughout our time here today. And then finally, towards the end, uh, we're going to be learning more about upcoming uh, educational opportunities at Emeritus. Uh, so a lot in store uh, for those of you looking to explore uh, modern fintech here today. So um, we invite you to take a look at that chat box now. If you haven't done so already, open it up, say hello, uh, get to know one another um, as we establish this online learning community. A big part um, of what, what we'd like for you to be able to do is, is, is connect with one another, um, get to know your peers and colleagues here as we make our way through today's learning. Um, and as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, FinTech programs that are available. Um, and so we wanted to share with you here a link that you can use as well as a QR code uh, that will take you over to our full sampling, our full portfolio of FinTech courses. So if you're interested in learning more or continuing your education outside of this event, um, we invite you to take a look at some of these upcoming programs. And we'll talk about these a bit later on in the session today. Um, but do say hello. Let us know where you're dialing in from. And if you'd like to share what brings you here today, a big part of what we're hoping to do here is customize our approach uh, to those of you who are here with us um, in the audience. So let us know what you're curious about. Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, we're going to be peppering those thoughts and comments and questions throughout our time here together today. Um, so if you haven't done so already, go ahead and open up the chat. Say hello. Let us know you're here. Um, we'd love to hear more about you and about what's on your mind. 
So as we dive into today's session, uh, we want to introduce you to Emeritus, uh, making the best professional education accessible and affordable globally. So this is the mission here at Emeritus. And what we mean by that is we partner with over 50 top universities from around the globe to make world-class education accessible globally. Uh, so you'll see some of our partner institutions here at Berkeley, Harvard Business School, MIT, uh, Dartmouth, Columbia, and many others. Um, so we're we're very pleased to have each and every one of you joining this vibrant community of over 250,000 learners worldwide as we learn more about this topic. Um, so rest assured you're in the right place if you're here to learn from the world's leading universities about cutting edge topics such as FinTech. Uh, you'll see on the right of our screen here some of our uh, consumer report data from participants who've come through our programs before, and certainly we see uh, very positive results uh, from participants who've come through programs here at these top institutions. 94% uh, of our learners believe that their programs that they took had a positive impact on their career and professional development. Over 93% of students uh, are currently employed and have work experience, and 90% uh, reported a positive impact on their business development. So a lot in store here for you as you think about your own educational journey and upskilling and in these areas of fintech um, and other areas as well. So we're very glad to have you with us and we want to formally welcome each and every one of you uh, to today's uh, live learning event. I see a few folks saying hello in the chat. Benjamin here from Johannesburg. We have Pete here from the UK, Dodge from San Diego, um, others joining in and saying hello as well. So keep those comments and thoughts coming as we make our way through the session here today. I'm certainly pleased to have each and every one of you as part of our global learning community. Um, so with that, let's turn the spotlight over now to our keynote subject matter experts here to tell us more about exciting and explainable artificial intelligence for modern fintech. Um, you've met Rudy uh, Falat here a moment ago. He introduced today's session. You'll see he's the founder and host of Voice of Fintech podcast. Um, uh, he's a, a digital transformation, innovation, and startup enthusiast, a startup mentor, advisor, business angel, executive education coach, founder, and host of the Voice of Fintech podcast. Um, I won't read all of the details of uh, Rudy's bio here, but certainly we are joined uh, by a world expert in these topics uh, to take us through today's session. He's joined by Pahal Aparajia, who is the Global Developer Relations Lead at Consumer Fintech. Um, he leads global developer relations for consumer fintech companies. Um, his focus is on driving AI adoption within the fintech industry, and he helps uh, companies to accelerate their machine learning models at scale. So he also leads fintech-oriented engagement uh, with uh, partners, cloud service providers, influencers, venture capitalists, and startups in the ecosystem. So I'll let um, him tell you a little bit more about his background as we turn over the spotlight here to our two keynote presenters. Uh, very pleased to have you both with us here today. Um, just a reminder to stay tuned here towards the end. Um, after today's event, we're going to be talking more about additional educational opportunities here at Emeritus. So please do uh, stay tuned for more. Um, one quick announcement here, we are recording today's session. Everything you see here is being recorded live. Um, and we're planning to follow up within 24 to 48 hours to provide you each with copies of not only the recording, but all of the slides that we cover here as well. Uh, so rest assured, you'll be able to go back through and take a more detailed look at um, the material that we're covering here today. Uh, so with that, I warmly invite into the spotlight um, our hosts of today's event. Thank you again for being here. Over to you.
Well, thank you so much, Marie, for such a kind introduction and uh, very professionally done. I think you you raised the level. So, uh, but how you know we need to stay there at the very least, right? So, thank you so much once again, and uh, thanks for Emeritus for co-hosting it with Voice of FinTech. So, you know, when I first heard about Nvidia, I obviously recalled GPUs and uh, gaming and things like this. And then when I started to be more and more interested in FinTech. I've seen NVIDIA everywhere, right? And a lot of people were talking about AI, machine learning, as this. And uh, by the way, sometimes maybe a little bit too much. And this is why we have Bahal here, because we'd like to unpack some of the AI um, inflation, perhaps, uh, some of the untapped opportunities in FinTech world. Uh, why is NVIDIA invested in this space? Uh, what's going on there? So. First and foremost, let's start from the beginning and maybe let us uh, know how did you get to what you do today? Because there may be uh, quite a few uh, listeners who would like to do the same as you. So how, how what's the way to get there? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Rudy and the Emeritus team. Uh, it's been a great journey so far. I started my career with FICO, uh, where I began in a data science consulting capacity to advise banks and financial institutions to mitigate risk. So this was a mix of technical and business consulting, where I uh, helped them on use cases like uh, retail credit risk, uh, default prediction, uh, fraud detection, et cetera, and built a good bit of domain knowledge as well as uh, basic machine learning skills. Uh, but I had this quest in me to uh, go deep dive further into the world of AI and what's hot and happening uh, into, this, into this area. And that's what got me to pursue a master's degree at the University of Minnesota after taking a break. And uh, uh, as I graduated from that program uh, with the, equipped with the tools and technologies which are used in uh, current AI landscape, I uh, went on to work with a FinTech company uh, briefly in Minneapolis. And all this while uh, NVIDIA came up to the door uh, with an opportunity where uh, it was an ensemble of my business skills, my industry knowledge, my domain knowledge, as well as my AI skills. And that's what uh, got us, gets us talking here today. Brilliant. So, you know, your title is Global Head of Developer Relations for Consumer Fintech at NVIDIA. So what does that mean in plain English? And uh, what's your role or what's your team's mandate? Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a niche role. So let me break down uh, into very simple words. And uh, what I essentially do is I help data scientists, machine learning engineers, C-suite executives at fintech companies to help them adopt AI and enable them with tools and technologies, which get them accelerated uh, from a machine learning AI perspective. Uh, now, this role involves me working on two facets. Uh, I would like to call the first part being the one-to-one -one part where I work with uh, key strategic accounts, uh, which are part of NVIDIA's strategy and uh, 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 go-to-market plan. And uh, uh, it revolves around discovering use cases with these accounts, understanding their pain points, and 
making them aware of what they could do using NVIDIA's tools, technologies, and frameworks, and, uh, and run their machine learning models, their AI models more efficiently and in an in a accelerated manner. Uh, so this involves working with them closely at a hand-drawn level uh, in pilot projects, uh, conducting POCs, and making them realize the value potential which NVIDIA brings on the floor with its accelerated computing platform. The other part of the role is more of a one-to-many approach, which I take uh, to evangelize NVIDIA's position in the industry and establish ourselves as a leader in the accelerated computing space. Uh, this involves me working with uh, different influencers, speaking on podcasts like this, uh, writing blogs, uh, having partnerships with cloud service providers like AWS, GCP, Azure, etc. So that we can enable and we can uh, position and uh, spread NVIDIA's word into the industry and make developers, data scientists, machine learning engineers, and C-suite executives aware of what NVIDIA is doing to help them uh, to help them accelerate machine learning models. Uh, a, a very important part of my role is also working with startups with the NVIDIA's inception program, which is like an accelerator program for startups, a kind of housing more than 9,000 startups. And uh, what uh, is essentially doing it is it's opening doors for startups who are in seed stage or pre-seed stage or series A stage or even in later stages to enable them with the, with the resources from a compute standpoint, provide uh, the right network partnerships uh, or, uh, uh, also, or also get them onto cloud credits as they progress into their growth journey. So this is how I, uh, I am evangelizing NVIDIA's full stack computing platform to the community in both a one-to-one -one and a one-to-many fashion. All right, that sounds uh, like a lot of work to do, uh, but you know, uh, long, days long, right, Baham? So, um, look, I think that let's maybe le let's level set a little bit because um, AI has become quite crucial to development of many many fintech startups around the world. But let's start from the beginning. Why is Nvidia interested or invested in this space, right? And uh, it has to do with your portfolio, the origins. When we come from the hardware, the GPUs. And now maybe also the software solutions that maybe some people don't know about, right? So, uh, of course, we had lots of AI uh, summers, but we also had AI winters, especially you know, from the late 80s. And uh, you can uh, read different books and listen to different audio books, perhaps, uh, as I'm doing right now, where in one of those books, they say, look, it's because the first generation of AI, people wanted to really mimic how the humans think. Uh, and uh, the performance just wasn't there. So the funding dried up. Now we are in a different position where we, you know, we are, are no longer purists, but we are pragmatists. That's one way to, to look at it. But the other way is that in last couple of days or last uh, couple of years, we, we developed or we created 99% of the data that is out there. And at the same time, the computer power has increased so much, right? So into that backdrop, how does NVIDIA fit in there and, uh, and their efforts uh, around uh, FinTech? Absolutely. Uh, let's start with financial services and banking. Uh, so we have been in the space for more than 13 years now. Uh, sure, our key product offering, which are the GPUs, graphic processing units, 
uh, had their first use cases uh, designed around gaming and rendering graphics and accelerating simulations. Uh, where it became a landmark was in 2008 when JP Morgan uh, used it for simulations uh, at, uh, at their place for uh, uh, conducting Monte Carlo simulations for portfolio optimization and options pricing. And uh, if uh, taking the journey to 2012, when some deep learning researchers found out the value of using GPUs for, uh, for training deep learning models, which earlier was very cumbersome and time taking. Now, what this led to is a revolution uh, which was continued by the advent of frameworks like PyTorch and TensorFlow in 2015 that kind of democratized the development of applications within fintech and financial services and made AI accessible to all for easily develop for to easily develop. And this is where we saw our customers like PayPal beginning to use uh, beginning to use deep learning models for fraud detection, etc. Uh, and let's cut to today where we are. Today we are taking a full stack approach in uh, taking our product to customers. So what full stack mean is, means is it's, it's not just the hardware, it's not just the software, it's not just the networking units, it's the entire stack it's it's from hardware to application so at the bottom layer which is our key offering are the gpus now these are served by the software kits so nvidia has software kits the cuda xai stack which is responsible for uh, regular machine learning processes like uh, uh, ETL, which is data preparation, uh, model building, model training, and inferencing at scale. So this stack is working in tandem with the acceleration hardware to bring in value in terms of speed and performance to the uh, to the machine learning pipelines. And on top of this, uh, a business needs to develop applications. These, these libraries don't, uh, don't offer any value if they are just being used in a, in, in, in a training environment. So uh, that's where our application stack comes in. We have identified business use cases for different FinTech customers. Say we have our SDK for uh, recommendation systems for personalizing and uh, personalization on offers and next best action to take. And we have our Merlin SDK for that. Uh, for conversational AI and virtual assistant applications, we have SDK like Riva for that. So uh, you see from hardware to the application level, it's a full stack which is coming across. And what these frameworks and applications have done is, it has democratized the developers, the data scientists, to enable them to build applications on their own. They can pick the custom applications which are open source and start building on top of that or use it as is per their use case. So this has this has really uh, put uh, put out Nvidia's position as an accelerated computing platform leader, which is an enabler for data scientists and developers in the FinTech ecosystem. All right, uh, thank you for this. Now let's be critical sometimes a little bit as well, right? When uh, you look at a lot of the startups, a lot of the FinTechs, um, many of them, they use uh, phrase AI enabled or AI powered. 
And uh, there is research out there by, or, you know, that was published by venture capitalists. Uh, um, can't remember the name now, but we'll put it in the podcast notes. But basically looking at the startups in Europe in a particular sector, and he would say that, look, uh, out of those, more than half of this, they don't use anything that he would classify as artificial intelligence. Um, so sometimes people overuse it, right? Same thing as with blockchain at some point, right? That it was blockchain enabled, then it was AI enabled. So let's uh, let's get real. What is AI when it comes to fintech and what is not, right? And uh, is this maybe just basic statistics or, you know, some... Uh, some sort of a macro? Is this still an AI? You know, maybe we are further than that, right? So when do people actually start using something where maybe you can call it machine learning and then go to deep learning, etc. But um, how to cut through the noise? Yeah, exactly. And you bring an interesting viewpoint. Uh, I interact with a lot of startups within NVIDIA's FinTech inception ecosystem. And what I see them is they are present at different stages and uh, they are all more or less AI startups. Now, what happens with these startups is that at different stages, uh, when you are in an early stage, you may not have the data, you may not have the talent, you may not have the resources and the compute to uh, do AI at a scale uh, but may have the vision to do that in the future. So uh, yeah, yeah, they may sound to be AI companies now, but not, not be implementing it, but would definitely be on the roadmap to bring AI applications in the future and be fully AI enabled. So that could be the difference between an early stage company and a company which is in the later stage of the growth cycle. And that is where NVIDIA's inception program kind of helps because they, we are there to provide these startups with the resources, with compute, and with the required partnerships in the industry to help them grow and go, get to a point where they are more or less self-sufficient and uh, move into the next stages of their fundraising and uh, building AI capabilities. Now, coming to the point of differentiation between what's AI and what's not AI in fintech, uh, I come from a credit risk background. So I'll take a very simple example of a digital fintech, which is underwriting loans. So for example, if this fintech is uh, just using rules for underwriting, like say this customer's age is greater than X, then uh, we would give loan or the debt to income ratio for this customer is less than Y, then I would give the loan by X and Y. These values are more, more or less intuition-based or heuristics-based, then it is not AI. And on the other hand, if these companies are using machine learning models, if they are using anything mathematical, which has, which is backed by existing data, uh, that gets them onto the journey of AI, depending on the complexity, which they are adopting it. So uh, yeah, that is, that is a key difference, which, uh, which will allow you to differentiate uh, where a startup is with respect to the journey and uh, cut out the fluff. All right, very kind and uh, and great point uh, still. So now turning into an optimistic outlook, right? So what are the most promising use cases in fintech that you see, you know, where AI can be deployed? Um, something obviously beyond maybe automation. Uh, maybe it's insights in wealth tech. Maybe it's it's insights in investment management. 
all kinds of other things. What do you see from, from you know, virtue of your role as the most promising use cases that are out there? Exactly. So in my conversations with fintechs, a uh, variety of use cases emerge. Uh, but I'll just pinpoint a few, my top four use cases, if you will. So uh, the first would be fraud detection. Uh, companies are using uh, fraud detection, deploying AI to use fraud, to uh, do fraud detection at scale, be it uh, doing your, know your customer checks or anti-money laundering checks, or uh, even detecting credit card transaction fraud. Uh, banks and financial institutions and fintech companies are using deep learning models to detect anomalies in customer behavior and weed out the fraudulent candidates. Uh, we had a very good example with PayPal presenting in NVIDIA's conference last fall, which is NVIDIA GTC. They are using graph neural networks to, uh, 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 to find out uh, bad actors and understand their uh, payment patterns or spending patterns uh, so that they can quickly detect uh, if the person is fraudulent or the merchant is fraudulent or not. Uh, the other example uh, for the uh, use case, which is very prominent, is personalization. Now, there's a there's a big race for uh, fintech companies and big tech companies to be the super apps. So you would see uh, Square, aka Block, or PayPal, or uh, the Googles, or the PTMs of the world they are all rushing to encompass uh, all of the offerings if they can into, into one application. Now, what that has enabled them is, with them is that they are equipped with data where they're having a 360 degree customer view and, in, and they have very deep information about what the customer behavior is, what is the customer spending and what the customer would like or not like, depending on their situation, time in life and the demographics. So sitting on this much information about the customer, when this information is fed into form of embeddings to large recommender systems, these are powered by uh, GPU accelerated NVIDIA Merlin, to identify suitable product offerings, understand what could be the next best action taken uh, to be uh, taken for the customer, uh, they could be of great value and give a more personalized, customized experience for the customer. Uh, Nerdfall, it comes to my mind, which is uh, a player in San Francisco uh, who, who uses customer credit information, their behavior patterns, and helps them with recommendations for different credit products or financial products, uh, which the, which may suit the customer. So uh, that that could be that uh, those those use cases are very prevalent in the fintech ecosystem. Uh, on another one is uh, my favorite Venmo. Uh, Venmo uh, has a customized reward scheme for users. So if I would be spending a lot on gas station, but not on coffee, so I would get more rewards on gas station. So these are not fixed reward categories as traditionally would be in credit cards. So very interesting case of personalization going on there. And these are all powered by large scale recommender systems, uh, which are enabled by high, high performance accelerated computing. The third use case is around conversational AI and virtual assistants. 
we have seen COVID. With COVID, the demand for labor has increased. Uh, also, uh, not to mention about the labor shortage, all companies all over the world are facing this problem. So what they really need is to augment their existing capabilities with AI, with tools and technologies that can handle a large work, a large volume in terms of customer queries. Uh, Square, uh, which is now a very big uh, a company listed already, uh, but a great fintech uh, has this uh, has this platform where they uh, where they service seller inquiries. So Square developed uh, BERT models, which are the models for training large language models, uh, large language information and processing it into uh, a fashion that it can answer question it can answer the questions it can summarize customers queries so they use they use those models and trained using nvidia's accelerated computing platform to uh, answer and automate 75% of the queries so this is something which ultimately uh, uh, smoothens out the customer experience as well as reduces cost for the fintech we are talking about. So uh, very important uh, use case for conversational AI. And then the last one is uh, one of my favorite. You did mention automation, but I would want to take it towards uh, claims automation, insurance. Uh, a lot of good use cases around insurance companies using computer vision uh, to detect auto auto accidental claims. So uh, if you send a picture of your car with a dent or a scratch, the computer vision algorithm, which is trained on millions of images, if not billions, uh, would be able to detect whether uh, actually your claim is legit or not and how much is the depth so uh this much of enablement has has already happened using technologies and these case these use cases are actually uh these use cases are the most prevalent ones which we see in fintech uh nowadays and pingan is a very good example where they are using nvidia gpus to train computer vision models for uh, detecting such uh, for uh, anomalies or understanding uh, what is the claim actually about using uh, customer image data. And beyond this, there are many other cases, use cases, which I would just like to uh, give a mention because they are hot. Uh, one is particularly ESG, environmental social governance. Uh, that then that comes transaction monitoring, credit risk prediction, robo-investing. These are all cases where NVIDIA's uh, accelerated computing platform uh, comes into play and adds value. All right, fantastic. Um, you know, exciting range of opportunities. I think if I were to summarize it in terms of activities, it comes back to the book I also recommend to everyone. It's called Prediction Machine, which basically says, you know, the AI and ML is all about making predictions. Even when you talk about translation, it's a prediction. How would human translate this, right? So. Prediction, I think when it relates to fraud, uh, conversational AI, also prediction. Uh, you could also talk about insights. Um, I think that that could be quite insight, uh, exciting, but maybe much more challenging. That's maybe to do with in, con in connection with the humans and um, you know automation, of course, right? Um, why would people do things that they don't need to do because 
these are routine tasks, right? So that's a whole different discussion about AI impact on the jobs. But before we go there, I'll, again, I wanted to infuse a little bit of a skepticism so it doesn't feel like we are just, uh, you know, uh, talking about the future is bright uh, every single day. If you are if you are a student of economics or history, you see that in economics we always have booms and busts, right? So um, that's uh, that's how it goes. And when you are in the boom, you always think like this is not going to happen anymore. We're not going to have a bust, right? Because now the boom has lasted longer than ever, and it's true. I think we have less of a crisis than we uh, than we had. Um, maybe it's every 15 years, maybe it's even even longer. But, um, uh, you know, when you look at the AI history, we talked about the AI winters. Do you think we are way past it, that we will never have AI winters because now we have so much data that we don't know what to do with? We have the computers. Um, do you think that we see a continuous improvement in prediction percentages and, and performance of the models so that we will not see the AI winter as we did see, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Absolutely. And I, I relate it from an investment perspective as well. So we conduct a survey within financial services uh, uh, professionals globally, where they just level set the pulse regarding AI in their organization. So we're covering executives on uh, the C-suite, on the IT side, on the data science side, and understanding their models, deployment, infrastructure spending, et cetera. And what has emerged is that uh, they are, executives are very keen, 83% of executives, in fact, were very keen on investing in AI. And now that tells that AI has become more or less mainstream. And again, coming to FinTech, another nugget which I want to throw, which makes me conclude that AI winter is way past beyond us, is the investment in FinTech, which has happened in the last year. We, we did see investment getting more than double, around $132 billion globally coming into FinTech. And... Uh, more or less, there is an element of AI infused into fintech as these startups will scale at, at uh, in in the time to come. So, if I blend these two nuggets of information together, I see a very promising future for AI, and and that will be continuing in different sectors, fintech included. And if there would be any direction where we would go, it would be only onwards and upwards. All right, let's hope so. I think, yes, absolutely, you're right. We've seen the record VC funding last year, despite the pandemic, we, and in general, and we've seen it for the FinTech worldwide, uh, incredible numbers. Uh, of course, this is also driven by the global wealth rising despite the pandemic and uh, investors looking for yield uh, ever since the financial crisis. So expanding their appetite for alternative assets like investing into the startup. So, Let's hope that continues, even though the markets could be choppy from one day to another, but hopefully the long-term trend is as you as you have outlined. Now, again, staying at the big picture view, um, when it comes to AI, you know, a lot of people also have concerns in terms of ethics, privacy, and the governance. And when you are looking at the technological innovations, very often, of course, the regulation lags behind the innovation. So 
Um, what do you think that is needed now so that we get the AI governance right? Yeah, so, you know, they say with great AI comes great responsibility. <laughs> so uh, I would I would definitely apply to all stakeholders within fintech or AI, who are applying AI. So be it the people from the data side or be the stakeholders involved from the business side. Uh, it is everyone's responsibility to uh, make sure uh, the, the results coming from their AI products or models are being uh, are being under the right ethics and the governance criteria. Uh, I particularly see two themes for data science teams where AI projects can go south. First is on the model side, maybe the team is focusing a lot on perfecting the model, optimizing the metrics, that uh, it comes at a cost of, say, uh, uh, some bias in the model, or it comes at the cost of explainability. That is where uh, AI projects uh, fail in the long run. And on the second hand, uh, if uh, on the data side, when you collect the data, if your collection data collection process is disproportionate and it does not represent the target sample of your market then whatever you feed to the model is is will not will not be producing the right results when the model is trained so when these two things come together it uh, come together or even in their own uh, existence they are a problem for ai projects and what uh, we have been doing at NVIDIA is particularly on the explainability front. Uh, we have been actively working into the ecosystem with partners who are uh, prominent into explainable AI, into AI governance, model monitoring uh, to develop uh, to develop these uh, platforms at partner banks and partner com fintech companies. So we work closely with companies like Fiddler AI. They specialize into explainable model monitoring and uh, uh, are able to help banks uh, establish a platform where uh, banks could monitor the effects of the AI models and data uh, drifting in the long run during maintenance. Uh, we but, have let, but let's let's define it before we go further. So you mentioned explainable AI, or people call it XAI, right? So it's uh, of course uh, trying to tackle the challenge that uh, sometimes people are looking at the black box, and the yeah. algorithms will tell you, you know, uh, well, you did get a loan or you didn't get a loan, but uh, no one can tell you why because uh, no one understands what's going on in the box. So what is explainable AI? And, uh, you know, we started talking about a high level governance of AI in general. You've mentioned that, of course, the XAI is crucial for this. So what is it and why is it so crucial that we actually understand what these algorithms do? Actually, sure. Yeah. So explainable AI in very simple terms is a set of tools and techniques which help you demystify a model, which help you trace, trace it back to the inputs, trace the results of the model back to the inputs and reverse engineer it. Now, this could be done via various ways. Uh, one of them is uh, using libraries which understand how much contribution each uh, feature or each attribute of, 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 of a person is uh, contributing to the final result. You can understand that. And uh, there are libraries like Shapley and there are libraries like Lime, which are, uh, which are actively being used in the industry. 
to explain results of models which are machine learning based and also there is uh, work around libraries called captum uh, which are helping people demystify deep learning models now uh, we at nvidia as i was mentioning uh, are working with fiddler uh, to uh, implement these explainable ai techniques at partner banks also uh, what we have done is uh, we have produced developer samples around these libraries so that we uh, we educate the ecosystem uh, over using these libraries around explainability and uh, create uh, that uh, create that evangelizing effect around explainable ai uh, when when using at scale also uh, we have been taking position, positions in uh, in forums like giax in europe and the eu fintech 2020 project of uh, one of my colleagues is an active member of those uh, those committees where they are uh, where they are actively working on defining what would be the right framework uh, around uh, ai model governance and uh, uh, best practices around sustainable ai and what's the ambition there in terms of uh, i wouldn't want to say dumbing down those models but basically you know can business executives understand models if you use the principles of xai or will it be something like okay you can use a third party company like some of your partners to verify it to audit it just like the auditors would audit the uh, financial statements of uh, big banks or uh, big companies so or will it be so easy that anybody can read through it uh, what do you think is the level of ambition here yeah, so the primary objective lies around building a set of frameworks, building a set of guidelines and policies, which would help, which would be agnostic to a company or an organization, but be applicable to anyone who is implementing AI at scale. Now, this has three facets. I would describe the first facet to be around uh, defining the policies, what are the rules, uh, defining the legislation around it. Uh, so this uh, revolves around collecting how you're collecting data, how you're building models, uh, what are the security aspects around it, and how you are uh, making sure that you are debiasing your data and models. Uh, the second aspect to it is around defining KPIs. How are you monitoring drift? How are you monitoring how your data on models are changing with time? How are you monitoring your model uh, over time? What are those metrics which you are tracking actually to make sure that you are in alignment with the framework or these guidelines defined in the step first step and third is around monitoring these uh, models and uh, also auditing so algorithmic auditing machine learning auditing is quite uh, uh, quite in trend these days and it's a picking topic with the with the voices coming out from the uh, european a aia act uh, which was uh, which laid down the foundation for uh, rules around ai so uh, uh, so uh, uh, when we work with uh, these forums uh, particularly the gaia forum we are helping design a framework so that we can we can educate uh, other AI companies in the ecosystem over what steps to take when defining um, uh, AI, AI governance framework when it comes to uh, regul uh, regulating and understanding AI models. 
Great stuff, understood. Uh, hopefully, this will, uh, you know, uh, prevent us from all kinds of apocalyptic scenarios that you could see on uh, the shows of big streaming services, right? Uh, which leads me to the next topic. I wanted to talk about something quite exciting, I think, this year when you saw a lot of tech companies uh, engaging in big M&A, uh, going into metaverse, uh, others renaming themselves, etc. cetera. Uh, potentially, this was obviously related to the pandemic where uh, the pandemic uh, impacted many sectors uh, very, very negatively. For example, retail uh, or certain services where physical presence is needed, like live events, live artists and uh, people like that. But it probably benefited the gamers and the gaming sector, right? So given the NVIDIA's history and the relation relations to the gaming community, uh, where do you see are the biggest opportunities for fintechs uh, expanding into, let's call it metaverse, or crossing over with gaming? Because uh, there were so many innovations that were happening, you know, last uh, two years or so, maybe some of those will fall away uh, after hopefully this is over, but uh, some of them probably will stay, right? There were live events within the games, um, there were uh, possibilities to play and win money. And if you couldn't, then you could actually borrow certain tokens and things like this. There are startups to lend you this so that you can play, make money this way, similarly as in real life. So these are one of the, you know, one or two uh, random examples. But where do you see the biggest opportunities in this space? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have already been seeing opportunities in two space, two spaces. Uh, let's start with gaming particularly. So earlier gaming was around uh, play for leisure, but now gaming is more turning into play for pay. And that is enabled by the decentralized systems. And uh, that is what Metaverse has enabled. Uh, if these games are brought on to a decentralized platform, uh, you can use NFTs as a mode of transaction and uh, build, build a marketplace where uh, you can bring in fintech offerings as well as uh, gaming offerings into play and uh, uh, maybe use avatars or maybe use uh, tokens or coins which you win in games and uh, then use it to trade or lend as you just mentioned. So that's a very interesting use case which has come up uh, uh, the example of a game called Axie Infinity, uh, which just emerged on the similar lines as I just mentioned, uh, is, is a good foray into uh, seeing what's coming in the world of gaming plus fintech and metaverse in the time to come. And on the other hand, what we are also seeing is some Korean banks who are venturing into metaverse and have built virtual environments like a virtual banking center uh, for, that, for the customers to interact via... Uh, via a virtual platform and make sure and make sure make sure that customers have uh, like a, a more immersive experience when interacting with uh, with the bank on a virtual platform so uh, i think it's korea's cookman bank if i'm pronouncing it correctly they they built like a financial business center they built like a teller desk they built like a park just like a bank would and uh, uh, the the users can interact with the bank employees via via video chats 
and uh, also have an immersive experience of like being around in the bank. So innovation is happening. Uh, fintechs are definitely watching it. Uh, and there's an, there's an area particularly where AI could be infused. And uh, we, have, we have been uh, seeing conversations with customers who, uh, who have been interested in using NVIDIA's accelerated computing platform to uh, build in chatbots, which could be an important part of the, of the metaverse. So uh, interesting, interesting, uh, interesting things to see in the time to come in that sector, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I think I know the answer, but I really want to ask anyway, uh, just in case, uh, do you think that metaverse is here to stay or is it just a fad of 2021, 2022? In other words, are we going to live in game player one kind of world uh, soon enough? Uh, you know, when people saw the movie uh, or they, they read the book, some people maybe got scared. Some people loved it. Uh, you know, I, I leave it up to everybody to make up their own mind. But do you think this is where we headed or 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 not? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you as you as you said, uh, you know, the answer. The answer is yes. The metaverse is here to stay. Uh, it's only going to get big. It has started uh, with its, uh, you know, huge uh, footsteps now. Uh, what we are seeing is that we see Metaverse uh, as a connection of virtual worlds, which are interconnected and would enable you to do anything which you are currently doing in your physical current world. Now, this could be enabled by uh, platforms where artists can develop assets and that's where NVIDIA is very bullish on its uh, platform called Omniverse, which has enabled artists to build assets and artifacts and objects for the, for the metaverse. And what, is, what, that has what that has done is that it has, uh, uh, it has created a concept called digital twins. So for example, we are working with BMW where uh, BMW has created digital factories, which are like exact replica of physical factories in the real world. And those are into the virtual world. Now, these, uh, these virtual factories totally mimic the laws of physics as well as the, uh, the real life uh, scenarios which would happen. So think of, think of items like stress testing or you would, uh, uh, you would crash test your car and you know, uh, all those simulations are, can be done now in, in, in the virtual factory and the final output, the final, the final model could be imported, could be exported out of uh, the virtual world into the real world. Uh, and this is what Omniverse has enabled. And uh, I mean, uh, with such kind of innovations, uh, I see that Metaverse is only going to create more opportunities for industries in the time to come. In fact, a Wells Fargo analyst uh, recently predicted that uh, Metaverse building platforms, just like Omniverse would, would be uh, creating market opportunities for more than $10 billion in the next five years to come. So uh, pretty exciting stat and the outlook which we are hearing from uh, the street as well as in the industry. Very interesting. I, I'm glad to hear about you know, your products also supporting live artists and uh, going into the Metaverse. But I might have one question there, which uh, popped up in my mind because I went to the digital art conference last, last year in Switzerland. And uh, there was an artist there who said, look, uh, I don't use galleries nowadays. I can create everything as an NFT and go directly. But 
let's be honest, because everybody's talking about NFTs selling for 60 million, etc. Most of those, they, they obviously cost maybe $500, $700 in gas fees on Ethereum, etc. So, of course, we're focusing today on AI. But if you compare it to the, the assets that you can create in Metaverse using your product, uh, is there a cost there as well? Because, you know, it's very nice to talk about democratization on a very high level. But then if 70% of the artists, you know, they wouldn't create an NFT that would cover their costs, they don't make any profit either. So how expensive is it, for example, to create any sort of assets for Metaverse using what you just mentioned? Yeah, so NVIDIA's one philosophy is devs before revs, which means that we are always in the interest of developers and in this case, designers and artists. So in a recent announcement, NVIDIA open source, NVIDIA Omniverse platform for individuals to create and build objects for the metaverse. So uh, uh, which otherwise would have been, as you mentioned, expensive for an individual creator. Uh, but uh, we recognize that artists are are the living life of metaverse they are the they will be the building blocks they will develop the building blocks for metaverse and that is why we want to enable every one of them we want to get everyone on board and make sure that they are working in a virtual interconnected world it's like a google drive for designing with virtual collaboration so uh why not uh we are uh, we are ready to invest on developers and help them uh, create and build something which is beneficial to the entire universe. All right. So it looks like you are interested in bringing more players into this world, while in any case, later down the line, you are supporting the infrastructure. So why not, right? It's not about, okay, charging every minute for, for every little thing. Uh, you, you, it seems like you are building a big ecosystem and there is a longer play at, at, uh, at uh, you know, insight. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, it is about enabling the ecosystem, be it via partners or be it via building the right tools for uh, uh, helping designers and uh, artists create. Okay. So, and, you know, let's maybe finish off on metaverse and fintech. Any other words or use cases that you, you've seen already where, uh, there is a crossover which is tangible. You know, it's all very nice to repaint the the company uh, headquarters and put a new logo there. But um, what's what's tangible that you see in fintech and metaverse? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first is the advent of uh, AI that will also infuse in the metaverse. Uh, I, I mentioned the example of uh, chatbots. Uh, I also mentioned uh, the kind of data that will be flowing in uh, when people will be interacting with the metaverse. So a lot of interesting information to come out of that and using an accelerated computing platform to uh, derive insights out of it or to make use of it in the end business cases will be crucial. So we'll see a lot of investments on that end as well. Uh, I also see a new trend uh, around fraud detection coming into play. Uh, we uh, and this is this is beyond metaverse. This is about real world as well. 
like uh, we saw, uh, we we recently had a financial services survey where eighty three percent, where eighty three percent of the executives, eighty percent of the executives mentioned that uh, fraud detection is a bigger problem. We also saw PayPal coming in with their uh, earnings yesterday, uh, where they were affected by four point three million accounts which were fraudulent. So fraud is a growing problem within fintech as well as uh, that that would that would be uh, a parallel case when it comes to cryptocurrencies and uh, 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 and the blockchain universe so uh, this is a problem to invest in we'll see more investments coming from uh, coming from ai executives around accelerated computing around uh, having an enterprise ai platform having having a place where they can develop and build a full stack and have applications which serve the end business use cases. So uh, these are these are the two takeaways which uh, I would like to uh, I would like to uh, have the audience with with uh, respect to what's coming out in the future. And uh, also uh, as 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 we wrap up, we 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 know there are different uh, uh, there are different people on this call on the uh, in the audience. So if you are a developer, you should definitely visit NBDR's GitHub to see what we are doing uh, in the field of uh, accelerated computing. Go to docs.nvidia.com or GitHub uh, on NVIDIA. And if you are a FinTech executives, if, if, if you are a business person within FinTech, definitely visit the NVIDIA finance page on the website and uh, you would get the latest and the best of what's hot and happening in FinTech and AI. Well, great stuff, Mahal. Thank you so much. I think you wrapped it up for me as well. So that's great. And uh, now over to Marie to close out the session. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rudy. Yes, and I'll just echo uh, that gratitude. Thank you uh, to you both for being here and for taking us through uh, this important content. Um, it's been an absolute honor uh, learning from both of you um, over the course of, of today's uh, session event. Uh, so I'm going to share back out my screen here, but we want to encourage you if you have any uh, questions about upcoming programs or any questions uh, that are content related uh, to go ahead and let us know. But otherwise, we're going to be saying goodbye to our keynote hosts now. Uh, thank you again, uh, both of you for being here with us. Us, um, and taking us through uh, this important information on modern fintech. It's been an absolute honor uh, learning from you today. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and move forward through the rest of our session. We've got about 10 minutes left, and we want to showcase for you um, some upcoming educational opportunities um, if you'd like to continue your learning and explore more. Um, so all of our programs here at, at Emeritus, as we showcase towards the beginning, uh, work with world-leading institutions um, to deliver um, high-quality cohort-based content. Um, so what we have here is an example of our learning management system, the platform that we use uh, to deliver our programs. Um, we wanted to give you that tangible experience um, uh, sort of of what it looks like, uh, what these online platforms look like. Um, so you can see here, this is a Northwestern Kellogg program in mastering sales. Um, and um, all of our programs here are cohort based, uh, meaning that you come through the program with a set of peers um, and you're marching through the content together. Um, so you're getting that 
that deep understanding of the content um, as it applies to your work, your organization, your profession, um, and your career aspirations. But in learning shoulder to shoulder with your peers, um, you're getting that broadened scope of understanding as well. Uh, so this is a pedagogical approach to online learning uh, where we know that relationship building and networking is a huge part um, of your learning and a huge value add uh, to, to your experience in any of our online programs. Um, we use a model called bite-sized learning. Um, and this is a model that really allows you to fully immerse yourself in your learning journey. So you'll have an opportunity uh, to watch brief uh, video segments that are on demand. From there, you'll step away with this new set of learning and you'll be able to interact uh, through various activities, quizzes, discussion polls, knowledge checks, uh, peer conversations, um, and simulated um, live experiences as well as live synchronous learning experience with with teaching fellows and faculty um, to really fully fully immerse yourself in the learning um, as you go. And then from there, uh, go back and watch the next set of content videos. And again, marching through and fully immersing yourself in the learning at your own pace and in real time. Um, all of our content is um, designed to be actionable. So we know that works well for adult learners as sort of the neuroscience of adult development. Um, what works well uh, for executive education programs is a chance to really build those networks, um, but also a chance to have that highly interactive experience together with a highly convenient experience. So a lot of our program content is on demand where you can touch into the content around a schedule that works best for you. So as you make your way through this bite-sized learning pedagogical approach with your cohort, you're able to do so at your own pace and in a way that really helps you to bring to life the concepts that you're learning, so in an actionable way. So all of our assignments um, have real-world application. We do a lot of case study analysis, uh, really al allowing you to examine uh, the various challenges um, that other companies and organizations have have faced, as well as their successes as you learn concepts related to topics um, that are relevant to your work. Um, so all of this is designed uh, to help you get the very best learning experience possible. Um, each of our programs end in a, a chance to earn a credential from the school uh, that's delivering the program. So you can see this is a copy of a credential here from MIT um, in machine learning. Uh, so each of our programs culminate um, in a certificate of completion, a chance to formalize your training and really showcase your expertise and your knowledge. Um, and for those of you looking to springboard into career advancement opportunities, um, certainly having a credential from a top school is going to go a long way in helping you to achieve those goals. Um, so how do you learn more about upcoming programs? Um, each of our programs have a certificate of completion. We wanted to showcase the sampling of them here for you, um, as well well as what other learners have had to say who've come through uh, uh, programs here at Emeritus. So we have a set of eight testimonials designed here for you. Uh, we want to encourage you to come back um, and take a more detailed look at some of what our learners have had to say. Um, I won't read this out to you uh, word for word, um, but as we mentioned, we've recorded the session here today, and we're going to be following up with copies of the recording as well as all of these slides. Um, so this slide in particular, uh, we want to encourage you to come back to this one and uh, take a more detailed look at what our learners have had to say, um, but some general themes that you'll see coming out um, of participants who've come through our programs is a high level of engagement, a lot of activity to keep 
keep you invested and engaged throughout your learning journey, as well as a high level of convenience with access on the go uh, from a tablet, mobile device, and from our learning app. Uh, we do have an app that you can use to access all of your educational content. So we've made this convenient, we've made it interactive, and certainly as you think about uh, joining, uh, you, you know, the, joining an emeritus program, uh, it, it's the it's the right choice uh, as you continue your educational journey. If you're looking uh, to find a program that's going to give you the cutting edge knowledge um, from world renowned faculty, as well as to help you build your peer connections um, and your credentials and your resumes, um, many of our programs have a career preparation focus uh, with career coaches um, and other who are there at the home of your day-to-day -day experience. Um, these are some of our upcoming programs in finance and in fintech. Um, so you can see here, we're going to showcase a nine of these programs as we march through the next couple of slides here. Um, we have a program at Wharton in fintech revolution. Uh, the University of Cambridge is delivering a program in fintech innovation, disrupting the financial landscape. Um, we have a program coming up from Columbia Business School Investment Strategies. Uh, a few more here listed, uh, one from Columbia in finance and accounting for the non-finance professional. We have financial technology, cryptocurrency, machine learning, and digital banking coming up at Imperial College Business School. Berkeley Executive Education is putting on a program here in mid-March on Berkeley FinTech frameworks, applications, and strategies. Uh, we have another program coming up at Berkeley on intelligent investing for everyone. Wharton has a program at the end of March, financial analysis or financial analytics, forecasting, modeling, and optimization. And then Columbia Business School here, uh, macroeconomics for executives, uh, navigating global risks and trends. Uh, so certainly as you think about the next step in your educational journey, you have a lot to consider. Uh, where really do I wanna focus um, my learning? Uh, which of these programs require prerequisite knowledge? Uh, which of these are for beginners versus mid-career or executive or C-suite levels? And certainly we have programs that span the range of that 10-year scale. Uh, so if you're just starting out, uh, we have finance and fin pro fintech programs for you. Of course, if you're at that mid-career or that senior level, uh, we also have programs more designed uh, for the professional uh, challenges that you're facing as well. How much technical detail do these courses go into? Uh, perhaps you want to do some of that data analytics um, versus perhaps just wanting to understand some frameworks that can help you make better business decisions. So what degree of technicality are you uh, looking to dive into? Um, financing options are available throughout all of our programs, but one of the things you'll want to be thinking about is um, what's that time commitment from program to program and how much time can I afford um, as I uh, continue my learning alongside my profession? And um, so these are all some of the things you'll want to be thinking about as you think about continuing your education here. And so we want to make sure uh, that starting right here, right now with today's live session, uh, you get connected with an academic advisor who can help parse through some of these um, questions that you might have on your mind as you think about exploring additional educational opportunities. Uh, so we certainly have a, a large portfolio of courses that are offered. Uh, you'll see there, there's a link at the bottom of your screen. There's also a QR code that you can use that will take you over to our full sampling of courses. Uh, we showcase nine for you, but we have others as well. Uh, so we invite you to go over, take a look at some of these upcoming programs. If you see one that you like, you can click right into that program and schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment with an academic advisor who can really help walk you through some of these questions uh, that you're considering as you try and select the right program for you. So a lot of opportunity here for you to get those support uh, 
that you need uh, for those of you looking to continue uh, your educational journey. So this is our last and final slide here of the day, uh, wanting to give you that link and that QR code one more time here as we round out uh, the final moments of our time together. Um, but certainly uh, get connected there with an academic advisor. If you haven't done so already, uh, use that QR code and that link uh, to take you over to our larger course offering page uh, where you can get connected with a specialized academic advisor um, who can help walk you through what are some of the, the next steps in your educational journey. Uh, so as we mentioned, uh, this is a highly interactive relationship-based uh, learning community, one in which we want to ensure that you have all of the support that you need um, in order to continue learning and upskilling from the world's top universities. And so certainly always feel free to reach out at community at emeritus.org uh, with any questions that you may have, or go on over to our website and take a look at some of our upcoming programs. Uh, we're so pleased and honored to have each and every one of you joining us here today, uh, learning shoulder to shoulder. Um, in this online learning event here. Um, we hope to see each and every one of you back in one of our upcoming programs. And with that, I'm going to stay on the line here just for a few, a few seconds um, as we round out our, our final moments together um, and invite you to, to let us know there in the chat or in the question box if you have any questions about upcoming programs. Uh, certainly, uh, another topic is related to uh, flexible and transparent payment options as you think about financing your educational journey. Uh, we have early bird uh, registration benefits, uh, discounts, special group enrollment pricing, referral programs, um, and special programs for those of you looking to come in with your organization. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get connected with an academic advisor, and we want to make sure you have that support that you need. Uh, so certainly let us know there in the chat or in the question box if we can help with anything else before we round out today's time together. I see some thank you messages beginning to come across the chat here. Uh, so thank you, Henry, as well for being here. Absolute honor having you on the line and we'll, we hope to see you back in one of our programs. So I see folks are dropping off and saying thank you as they close out their session. Uh, so with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, and close the broadcast here today. Uh, but again, uh, heartfelt thanks to all of you for being here. Uh, we hope to see you back in one of our upcoming programs or in another uh, live event such as this one here, where you can learn more about leading edge uh, topics um, and current uh, current topics and trends. Uh, so with that, we sign off here uh, with a heartfelt uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good day to all of you from around the globe. Thank you again for joining, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.